You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love her. Brown skin, love her. Brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer podcast, and I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful, minority, entrepreneurs, social change agents, teachers, you name it, we have had them on the show. And we share their stories, their ups, their downs, their highs, their lows, in order to impact, empower, and inspire our future and current generational leaders. And today, I got a show for y'all. And I know I'm, I'm, of course, every time I get on this mic for a podcast, I'm excited. I'm over. I'm overwhelmed with joy and excitement to bring you new guests, new content, new information. But today is a uh, today's a little different, man. Um, because of course we're gonna bring you our dope interview, but. I do want to spread light and talk about some some issues that happened in America over the last couple of days, some some the good and also the bad, and then uh, lead into our episode. So the vibe, the mood is going to be start off a little somber, but I, I think as the Minority Trailblazer podcast, we have to address it, and then we're going to transition to stuff for all my future authors, the people that want to be motivational speakers, professional speakers, and speak across the country. I got some content that you must listen to, you must hear. So let's go ahead and jump into the show. The person we have on the day, he's earned kudos as a student success and leadership expert, author, and coach. He addresses audience on campuses and conferences across the country, inspiring his peers to live fearlessly. His new book, Waking Up Chase, gives students and young professionals, because I read the book and I was moved by it, the strategies to build their best life through an invigorating story and fictional character named Chase. As a strongly recognized and very active campus leader during his student years, he knows the difficulties of balancing the student workload while trying to plan for the future. He's received multiple awards during his undergraduate career, held internships with AT&T and SunTrust Bank during college, and has worked for two Fortune 100 companies after graduation. He was recently named on 54 New Orleans News as one of the top Instagram accounts to follow via inspiration. Um, I know him as Bro Bells. Y'all might know him as Daryl Bellamy. So I would like to introduce my boy, my brother, my dog, Daryl Bellamy, to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. What's up, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> how, how you doing, man? I'm good, as always, as always, man. Yeah, man, so I'm excited to have you online, man. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, because I know the reason why I want to use specifically on this show, because every single day via LinkedIn, via Twitter, via Facebook, via text, I get messages from people that 
or want to write their first book. They have questions about, should I self-publish? Should I publish? Or how do I, who do I go to? How much does it cost? All these questions for, for, as far as books. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I have people that maybe have already written a book or they have an experience, a story, or something they want to share with audiences. And they're like, Greg, how do I become a speaker? How do I get into colleges? How do I get into corporate America? What do I do when I first start? What should my website look like? So instead of me just saying, giving them all the do's and whatever, I said, let me let me call in a guy that I know is freshly into the game, but has already booked successful contracts, has written his first book, is on Amazon, and he can go step by step on how he got started to encourage and empower the next wave of authors and speakers, man. Exactly great. Let's, let's definitely deliver some value today, man. Already, already, man. And I would be remiss, and like I told you at the beginning of the intro, if we didn't just address some 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 things right off the bat, because as one of the top podcasts for people of color in podcasting, I cannot address not address what's going on in the world. So I do want to have I'm starting off a new segment. So bear with me, guys, a new segment called just a current event segment. So we will usually every episode, maybe talk about one to two things that's going on in our society currently. Sometimes it'll be lighthearted, sometimes it'll be deep, but I just want to make sure that everybody knows that we, I am posting to what's going on in the culture, and we're going to address some stuff, and I want our the, the experts, the people that are leading in their demographic to talk about it and share their feelings on it as well. So I'm going to start with the hardball question first instead of softball one, but I know today it is Thursday, July 7th, and last night, and as far as Wednesday, night as well. Two unarmed black men were, were killed by police officers. So I just want to kind of get your thoughts and take on and have a, a little mini discussion before we get into what we're talking about on your thoughts on what's going on. So for me, when I think about my thoughts, I want to go back to my feelings on the subject. So so growing up in like Philly, Greg, I lived in Philly for seven years, lived in Chicago for five years. Uh, in the Philly, I was in North Philly. So wasn't the best neighborhood to live in. And as I like went through middle school and my high school years, let's just say I was in the suburbs of, of Raleigh. So we were doing pretty well. So as these events keep happening or, or as they started happening, you know, years ago or, or when they started coming to light, um, it was easy for me to, to, to say, well, well, if a police officer stopped me, then that probably wouldn't happen to me because I would speak this way or say this thing. Or, or if I was walking, I would do this or I would do that. But as more of these instances start coming up and people start, start looking like me and it, it, it's starting to remind me and it's starting to upset me because I'm realizing that, that it could be any of us. Mm-hmm. And that at this point, it's 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 not just this certain type of person. It's it's any of us that could be affected. So not only am I nervous, but you know, I, I start getting that fear where where you're like, what's next, or or what do we have to do at this point? Yeah, nah, you hit on hit on the head because I know most people that listen to this podcast are, are college educated, or young professionals, and whatnot. And a couple years ago, when I heard about things like this in my head, and sometimes on social media, but rarely on social media. I would say, I would look at the instance and be like, well, he shouldn't have been out there selling cigarettes or he his pants should have been up. And I would take the high and mighty black approach, as some may call it. And then a, a year would go by and I would see more things happen. I would realize, especially as I started being a speaker and going to these schools and seeing the, the, the system, the structure 
and seeing what some of these kids have to really go through and the stories behind it, then my mind started opening up a little bit. And now, as a more mature African-American, young adult, more accomplished in my in my career a little bit, I have the same lens. Because at first, you were like, well, if an officer comes like, hey, how you doing, officer? My name is Greg. What, what, what do you need? I'm answering respectfully and whatnot. But that doesn't mean anything in today's society. Like, I mean... <laughs> And the more we keep pushing, we want to change the culture. We want these executive positions. Shoot, we got the president of the United States. <laughs> like, we got president of the United States. We have, we have Oprah Renfrew. We have a lot of gatekeepers that are old. We have a lot of gatekeepers that are young, that are directors at companies, that are deans of schools. We have police officers of color that are in the force, but... You still see these things happening in every day because I know me and you, we, now we've given our lives to encouraging and empowering others. But it's kind of hard when you're, you're constantly on the road talking about success, talking about leadership, fighting your fears. But when you can just wake up one day or going through a regular stop sign as a black man through a neighborhood and be killed. Agreed. Agreed. So, so it puts us in a... A, a weird predicament. So if you had to say one word of encouragement to the young professionals and anybody that's, that's, that's listening to this podcast, what would that one word of encouragement be? Yeah, great. I would, I would say to the, to the minority trailblazer audience to remember that you're valued uh, and to never forget that, that there's family members, there's people around you, there's people in, in your community that, that understands what you're going through. I'm seeing it more and more. I'm seeing people who, who are commenting on a daily basis who have never commented before. So never, ever forget that you're valued and take that and run with it. Boom. You're valued. You're valued. And I think that is a, that is going to segue into the first segment of our show, the personal background, you explaining who you are. And on the theme of value, which is why this show is so critical, especially this one right here, is when becoming a speaker, when becoming a writer, the biggest thing you're sharing is a story or your your situation of value. In order to have be an author, in order to be a speaker, you have to really believe that what you're saying is going to not only impact people, but it's valuable. And that's going to have you the confidence to move forward in your life, move forward in your career. So, Daryl, if you could, can you explain kind of who you are, where you come from to Minority Trailblazer Nation? Definitely. So, name is Daryl Course, uh, born in Philadelphia, lived in Chicago, lived in North Carolina, uh, due to dad's job, so I've got a got a chance to to meet different people and just see how different people live in different states. Um, went to UNC Charlotte, graduated in 2012, and a lot of my talks and a lot of my experience just come from from my college years and those those experiences and things that I learned during that time. So I'm an author, so I I wrote a book based on a lot of my experiences. I just try to speak and and help students break through fear. So. At, any time during the day in our lives, we're, we're all having these mental thoughts that are going through our mind. And my goal is to compile those fears. I have students write down their fears uh, throughout my keynotes, and I'm taking those fears and are actually trying to figure out what's bothering those students and helping them work through that in their everyday lives to just accomplish what they want to accomplish. Mm. Mm. And my biggest fear is... Starting a podcast, getting halfway through and realizing that I didn't even start it off with my favorite quote or story. So <laughs> let's backtrack to this thing. And like we do with every show, we like to start the show off with momentum, some some juice, some buzz. So Daryl, can you share with us your favorite quote and story? How you use that quote in your everyday life? All right. My favorite quote right now at this point in time in my life would be uh, by the amazing 
Steve Jobs, and it's you can't connect the dots looking forward, only backwards. So you must trust that the dots will somehow connect. So y'all, I use this every single day. Because let me tell you, and I'm pretty sure most of y'all can feel me, that sometimes you're 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 working towards your goals or the things that you're trying to achieve, and sometimes you might get frustrated or you might feel like things might not be going exactly the way you want it to at that moment. But one thing that I remember is that the dots always connect. So when I look back at past situations or past things that happened in my past, whether it be college or high school or middle school or just times where I was like, is this going to work or is this going to work out or or will I make it through this? Uh, when I look back at it now and I laugh because the dots always connected. Those moments have made me who I am now. So anytime anyone is going through anything and they're calling me, they're guaranteed, Greg, to hear that quote, like the dots will always connect. And it's something I believe with everything in me. Amen. Amen. So uh, to dig a little deeper, when was the last time a dot has connected recently for you that you didn't see connecting? Or you was like, what's going on? Like, when's the last time that happened? What's going on? I would say uh, a lot of it comes down to relationships. So a great relationship that has connected for me uh, would be my freshman year in college uh, during orientation. I met this guy. Uh, we were really good friends throughout college. Um, we talked every once in a while. You know how you kind of have those acquaintances, and mm-hmm. you might talk every once in a while. Just, just kind of ah, you sometimes connect with the person. So after college, uh, we winded up meeting at one of my jobs. He was actually at a consulting firm uh, that I was working at, and I was just working there. So he asked to have lunch. We had a great lunch. We then uh, he then gave me he asked me to send my resume over to him. Mm-hmm. After I sent my resume over the next day, I got a call from the company pretty much offering me an interview, and then I winded up getting a job. So I say all that to say that process was a three or four year process, mm-hmm. but that dot connected four years later. Mm-hmm. But when I met him and we were talking, the goal was never for anything to connect, but as times went on, you see how that connected, and I think that was like a ten thousand dollar raise. Mm, that's great. Ten thousand dollar connection after four years. That's make big <laughs> so that's that's great, man. So along the lines of that. I know you talked about it briefly in your intro, and I talked about it literally, but so you get a job, you're working in corporate. What in your head clicked to say that you wanted to become an author, a professional speaker? Like when did when did this all come about in your life to say, I want to be an author or a speaker? Especially because uh looking at looking at your story, because I, I think this is this is key because sometimes people think they need to have an outrageous story to have value to write a book or to encourage somebody or to be a speaker. You're just either born with the gift of gab or something like that. So when I, and I read your story, I don't see anything that's just that startling to say, oh, I need to write a book. So what led you even down this path? So I was always speaking throughout college, like doing like workshops on campus, always loved it, always something I was passionate about. So in 2014, I was working at one of the Fortune 100 companies. Uh, and at that point, I didn't like what I was doing. So I sat down with the career coach because after pretty much after reading all my life, it talks about like that anyone who is ever successful has had a career coach or a mentor to help them throughout their path. So I sat down with a career coach, Greg, and she was like, Daryl, what do you want to do? And I started naming different things. But when I got to, you know, possibly speaking and helping people through motivation and inspiration, I guess my <laughs> I guess my face lit up in some sort of way. She was like, Daryl, there's something there. Like, what is that? So she invited me to this meeting that weekend where there was like a whole bunch of speakers that 
that live in the North Carolina, South Carolina region, and it just ran from there. So I always had the passion within me, and it was always there, but it took a coach or someone to actually sit down with me to actually kind of pull that out of me and see that I always had it, man. Mm, mm. And then what about writing a book? When did this idea come about writing a book? So after attending a few of the National Speakers Association meetings, uh, I realized that I just had to do it. Uh, Because every speaker that I was around, not only did they have a book, but they were saying how helpful it was to when you get off that stage, Greg, to be able to hand somebody something, to be able to let that person go home with something and be able to spend more time with you. Because as you know, when we're on stage, we're only talking for sometimes sometimes 20 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And how long are they going to hold on to that message? And a book is one way to be able to deliver that message. So that's why I always talk about the importance of being around people who who are not only on a higher level than you, because all of them had books, so therefore I had no choice but to come up to their level and match what they were doing in order to continue to succeed. So on the lines of that, okay, you have this idea in your head. You, you, first of all, what led you, what led you down the path of getting a coach? Because I know a lot of times we seek people will reach out. You could have just found some loosely affiliated, loosely affiliated information online or whatnot. Like what, what, what triggered in your head that said, okay, getting a coach, but then letting the coach that barely probably knew you lead you on this path and now you're you're doing it full time now so what was that process like it was it was being at the end of my rope so when you're so frustrated <laughs> you get to a point where you're like what is the one thing i need to do and the whole coaching thing was was something that i always wanted to do and i always wanted to get a coach but for example, my first coach was $175 an hour. <laughs> so that was one thing that was like, when I called her the first time, I remember like a month before that when I called, I'm like, so how much are you? She's like, $175 an hour. And I'm like, uh, you got any discounts if I buy a few hours? She's like, nope. <laughs> but that was the first thing is that I needed, I needed, I needed to, to, to push myself to be able to invest that money into myself. All right. So you get, you get, you had a phone call, $175 an hour. So in order to map, like what goes down in that hour? Cause I just want to clarify stuff because a lot of times you see online coaching seminars or whatever place you want to be in and you see these outrageous ludicrous prices. And I'm like, yo, if I'm paying this much, like what, what goes down to the hour? So can you take us behind the scenes on a coaching call, and I know all coaches vary, but in your in your instance, when you said, "Wow, one hundred seventy five dollars an hour," I'm gonna take the plunge. Like, what did she really coach you on? What 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 did you take to the next level during these sessions? So, if a coach is one hundred seventy five dollars an hour, they're going to give you value one hundred percent of the time, ten times that value. So, when I come to my coaching calls, my coach is sort of like a business coach. Mm-hmm. So, I'm usually coming with questions or guidance that I need. So, in the beginning, it's like. Hey, look at my website. What do you think about this? Or I want to speak on this. This is what I'm passionate about. Help me structure that speech. So, for example, the first session is pretty much the coach getting to know you, understand uh, your tick. So my first coach, uh, she was all about uh, kind of like a personality profile. So she kind of understood me better. Then we went into just me asking questions like she was a speaker and a coach herself. And so she was making money full time. You want to get a coach that's doing what you want to do. So a lot of people might get coaches in different areas of their lives, but I wanted a coach who was actually speaking, who actually left their job, who was actually on the same path that I was trying to take. Mm -hmm. So it goes from a personality profile to uh, just asking questions, man. I was 
I try to take control of my session as much as possible because you only get, you know, an hour, maybe an hour, 20 minutes. So I usually come with focused questions about pretty much my business. Mm, okay, I got you. I got you. So she tells you, hey, I think you, you're talking about what you want to do. And you said professional speaker. She said, Daryl, your eyes are lighting up. This is what your career is going to be. So what was the <laughs> like, what was the next step? Because I know a little bit more in depth, but all right, you say, okay, I want to be a speaker. When you started planning that out and, and, and to the point where you felt comfortable quitting your job, can you share us like what was your first couple steps in order really seeing, because you had already been speaking for a while, what is the difference from you when you were just speaking to being a professional speaker and getting paid for what you do? All right. So when I was just pretty much just doing it in college and just doing workshops, uh, of course, it was it was just fun. And I was just just having a good time and just picking random topics that I wasn't necessarily passionate about. When I became a professional, I had to think of what am I willing to do from now until the next 10, 15, 20 years? And what am I passionate about that I'm willing to dedicate my time to? And that became the whole fear portion. So when it came to being a professional, I focused for me on the one thing that I was passionate about in order to push that through. Mm. And when you talk about fear, when you talk about fear, this leads us to our, my, my next question. I, I make sure every person that's on the show answers is, can you take us through one of the, the the roughest and I would say lowest points of your journey, and then how you have overcame that thing? Because if fear is your your thing, you're the you're the fear guy. You're the fear guy. Can you share with us a tough journey and maybe how you overcame it? When I got out of college, I started a business called College Concierge. So the goal was to help freshman students through a membership program. So getting them food and and mentorship and maybe some leadership stuff. And I needed a hundred parents to sign up. And I had one parent sign up. So that wasn't going to pay the bills. So I didn't take any jobs out of college because I thought this business was going to be so successful and going to be able to take me, maybe franchise at different colleges and all this other stuff. So I had to get a job. But before I got that job, Greg, I had an apartment, uh, moved in with one of my line brothers. We had a two-bedroom apartment. And I moved in literally with a blanket or a comforter, a pillow. I had books along the wall, and I had clothes in a co- closet, no <laughs> other furniture. Uh-huh. So when you go for your dreams, people say, like, go for your dreams, and, and you actually do it, and you look around, and you're like, this is what going for my dreams gets me. Like, And you look around your room, and you're on the floor, and I literally stepped on the floor for about probably about three to four months. But that was probably one of my lowest points. But I was never discouraged because I just always had the belief in myself that 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 the failure was going to be a part of the process and that I had to go through that in order to get to where I am now. And two years later, I was actually, you know, able to buy a house, but I never forgot just being on that floor um, and trying to figure out what was next in my life and what was that path and where was that path going to take me? Yeah. So when you were on the floor, cause that's, that's deep in itself in two years, you had a house. So what was that pivot though? Like what changed that allowed you from going from, sleeping on the floor, not really knowing what's going on, having this company that you probably put a lot of time and effort into, and then you only had one parent sign up. So first of all, what'd you tell that one parent? And then second of all, what changed <laughs> What changed to get you to a house in two years? All right. So telling the parent, like, look, uh, I was honest. Like, <laughs> we only had one parent sign up. I apologize. Uh, and I had to send that check back. I sent in a $1,000 check back. 
uh, isn't the easiest thing to do when you, when you thought that was going to be the best thing since I guess sliced bread, but it didn't. I had to send it back. But as far as what was that, what was that process? I knew because I had because I put a lot of it on credit cards. One of my first mistakes uh, when I was trying to you know live during that summer to start the business, I knew I had to reset. So I knew I couldn't immediately just start another business because I needed time to to, to pay off that debt and kind of get myself back together. So I worked for uh, Wells Fargo TIA Cref, uh for around two and a half years. But throughout that process, I was still developing myself. So I was still reading books, still watching YouTube videos, still still going to any conference I could in order to uh, just get better personally. So after that, I started working for a consulting company. And then I kind of started getting to the point where I was able to really start planning. So during those first two jobs, it was just taking a reset, starting over in order to get back to it. I think a lot of times we don't realize that sometimes we just have to step back before we can step up into what we're going to do. So while I was at the consulting company, I was making a little bit more money now. Credit card was paid off. Car was about to be paid off. I was I was then saving money. So then that money allowed me to be able to start putting money away so when I was able to leave and go full time by myself, I'm able to live for a year or half or or two years while while uh, developing the business. Mm. So that's perfect. That's perfect. That's setting us up right now. So knowing what you know now, as far as about the business and whatnot, because I know we're going to get into the practical how to with with like with writing a book and speaking. But in that situation right there, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself five years ago? Tell myself. Five years ago, I would tell myself that uh, it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be all right, and this is why. This is why I say that. Uh, a year ago, I went. I went to a Tony Robbins conference, Unleash the Power Within, and he did. He had this powerful exercise, Greg, where where he had us look back in our past and you know childhood and all the other stuff. And it was probably one of the only one of the only times in a conference where I like cried, but it was it was really impactful because he had us, and it's kind of hard to explain because you weren't there, but he had us like look back and like tell our younger self that it was all going to be okay. And I think sometimes we worry so much about our future, what we're going to accomplish and what we're going to do, and we don't realize that at the end of the day, we're going to be all right. So I would tell that person laying on the floor um with that one blanket and that pillow, like like Daryl. You're going to be good. You're going to be all right. And that's the same thing I tell myself now at the end of the day. Like, you're going to be all right. You're going to get everything you want because you're constantly working towards that goal. Mm, That's a great takeaway. Great takeaway right there. So, all right, let's transition, man. I want to talk about present day. So, um, not to not to jump over your story. So you ended up you ended up leaving your job, correct? Like when did you when did you quit your job and go and, and go about this full time? April 29th was my last day. So the last day of April. I think that was April 29th. April, April, yeah, April 29th was my last day working. Got Before, you, got uh, you. And in this round, we just talk about present day, the company and whatnot, and also go how-to. So how-to steps on writing a book, how-to steps on getting your first speaking gigs. But to that question, what... What made you say, okay, this is the right time to do it? Because like you said, you just saved up to get a house, and now you have a house. Your career is on a fast track, and you were still, at that time, being able to speak professionally, like getting paid to speak. So what's what what was that one moment that you said, yo, I got to do this full time? That was hard because I liked what I did, and I, 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 and I really liked my coworkers too. <laughs> and at some point, you have to measure uh, the cost, like- 
what are you losing out by being there? I, I look in the mirror every day and I realize that we're not getting any old, we're not getting any younger. And sometimes when we're younger, we say we're too young. When we're old, we say we're too old. So I realized that there's no time better than the present. And then we, when you start looking at numbers, Greg, and for me, you know, I was, as I, as I progressed more, I started making more. And I knew that the more money I made, the harder it was, the harder it was, I, let me edit. I realized that the more money I made, the harder it was going to be. Oh, what am I? <laughs> <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I realized, Greg, that the more money I made, the harder it was going to be for me to actually step away from that job. So though I enjoyed what I did, I enjoyed speaking a lot better. And I knew that I could I could do a lot better financially and just feel better about myself and what I was saying and what I was doing on a daily basis if I was doing what I love instead of working for somebody else at that time. Mm-hmm. So with that being said... What is a typical day like for you now? Because I know when you're consulting, you're traveling, you're working with clients, you're working with a team, and usually you might have an office you're working out of or whatnot, but now you care what you eat as an entrepreneur, as a professional speaker. What does a day look like for you? So for me, I'm up at around 4.30, uh, 5 o'clock. I usually start the morning off. I have a Google Chromecast, so I'll take out my phone, throw a motivational video up on the screen. Uh, usually about three or four minutes, and that usually kind of like uh, gets me going. Think about it. you have Tony Robbins or, or 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 ET talking to you five minutes to get you started. No matter how tired you are, usually that can kind of like get your day started. So I think going to uh, usually either a guided meditation or some sort of prayer. Uh, then I hit the gym. I try to hit the gym no more than thirty minutes a day. Um, so hit the gym, sauna, come home, eat breakfast, and try to be at the desk by seven. So try to have that structure every day. And I usually have alarms going off throughout that time, like kind of like timing me uh, just to make sure I stay on track. Now, at seven o'clock, I usually start. And this is if I'm not speaking that day, it's usually I'm making calls. I'm doing website updates, content creation, social media. But before I sit down, usually at seven o'clock, I usually try to plan out that day in some sort of way, because I found usually probably the past couple of weeks that I'm a lot more effective if I plan out my day instead of just make instead of have, having my day be like, I guess, happenstance. Mm-hmm. But it, the day is just spent, for me, a lot of it now is just making calls and reaching out to people who either, you know, signed up on my website and said they're interested in hearing me speak or conferences that sound interesting me interesting to me that I would love to speak at. Mm. All right. So let's get to what the audience has been waiting to, to kind of talk about and whatnot in reference to, first, let's talk about speaking, and then we're going to talk about the book. Because I know I have a lot of people that are listening right now and they have ideas about writing a book. They have ideas about being a speaker. So as far as speaking is concerned, how did you go about getting your first couple clients? First clients were free. (laughs) (laughs) Every speaker knows that the first clients you get are usually free. So shout out to UNC Charlotte and my fraternity cap Alpha Psi who, you know, set up some free gigs for me to, you know, get my name out there and practice a little bit. Um, in, in the professional world, but I got my first gigs by word of mouth. So I started by doing YouTube videos and putting those up on Facebook. So after putting those videos up, you know, people start noticing you and they start asking questions like, Hey, can you speak here? And can you speak there? So a lot of those first gigs is, you know, sometimes community organizations are people who might not have the budget. So I started off speaking for free. And then as you start speaking for free, you get more confidence. And remember y'all, I had that coach in my back ear who was saying, 
all right, Daryl, you've spoken here. It's time to step it up one level and actually start charging. But usually when you're speaking, you, you got to start speaking for free just to get yourself out there. And what does that look like? So when you're speaking for free, does that look like, like you said, just putting content out there? Does that look like creating a one pager and emailing people? Like what did, what was your strategy? Because I know people, because I mean, always, me and you go back and forth about strategies and our strategies sometimes are fundamentally different. But what is your strategy you use as far as, okay, people say, I want to hear you speak. How many times after after you spoke and people said that, like, how do you kind of connect the dots and actually make those things come to fruition? <laughs> you want me to say my line? Oh, <laughs> you put me out there. <laughs> all right, I ain't going to put myself all the way out there. I had someone tell me before, uh, they said, <laughs> the first time is free, the second time there's a fee. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, uh, when you're trying to build a business, you know, a part of building a business is, you know, growing your business and, 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 and realizing that you have value. And if you don't place a value on your services, if matter of fact, if you don't place the proper value on your services, you're never going to get the proper value. The only reason why you pay that money for that MacBook or that iPhone is because Apple, first off, it's a good product and because Apple has asked that amount from you. So I say that I will speak for free. Uh, the first time, but depending on the organization, you know, there's always chances where where you might do it, you know, depending on what the organization is. But uh, the second time you have to start asking for something, not necessarily because the organization can pay it or whatever. It's because you have to be able to place a value on what you offer. How how did you get your first pay gig? Okay. My first paid gig was, was it Queens? It was Queens University <laughs> in Charlotte. It was actually a funny story. Uh, I spoke at Queens University on a panel for free. Ha, ah, see, it goes back to what I said. I spoke on a panel for free. A student heard me speak. They liked what I was saying. They realized that there was a leadership conference coming up, and they recommended me to speak. So I got a call saying, hey, Daryl, are you interested in speaking? And at that point, I was, you know, I was really excited, really pumped. They said, so what's your, what's your fee? Oh, stop right there. Cause what's your fee? That, that is, that is like for any up and coming speaker, that's where most people just get nervous and this gets really weird. So what'd you say? So luckily I talked to my coach before this, or we kind of already had an idea like what I would start off at. So I had the number 500 in my head, but it's always scary when you say whatever number you're starting out with. So I said 500. No, I, didn't, I didn't yell or anything. I, just, I, just said, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like 500. And she was like, no, no. Did you say that? No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, no, okay. Let's start over. All right. So she was like, five. I was like 500. And she was like, okay. And I paused. And I was like, and I finished the conversation. I called my coach and was like, is it really that easy? <laughs> <laughs> it was just crazy that I threw that number out there. And think about like as as a working different jobs, you know, for my job I was working at that time, I was making what 37, 38 an hour. So so to get five hundred dollars for one hour of your time, it just totally blew me. It was amazing. So that was that that was I think the spark. Mm. And how did you how did that gig go? Because I know in my head going into it. I was like, yo, I thought I was killing it when I was doing free gigs. So I was like, what else do I have to do? And I'm getting paid this amount. So I had a lot of pressure on me going in. But like, what was that experience? Like, yo, I'm just at the end of this day or even before, I'm about to get $500 to talk for an hour. Like, did you try to like, how, how what was your experience like? 
the experience was good. I re- I tried to record all my talks, so I recorded. So I was able to, you know, look back on it and see how I did. Uh, because I practiced that talk a lot and because I did it so for free so many times, uh, it was really natural and it went really, really well. So it wasn't really that – there wasn't any huge takeaways or any changes from when I did it for free than when I did it for pay because at the end of the day – the goal, as you know, is just to impact as many lives and to, and to make sure people are leaving that room changed. Got you, man. So what was what would be some core advice for somebody, like say, for instance, say we're on a coaching call right now, right? And you're the coach and I'm the aspiring speaker. I have a website, but I really don't have a, a big following on social media and whatnot. I haven't really done too many talks out there. And I know within the next month or so, I would like to start getting some paid gigs or at least being asked to come speak somewhere. So what would be some things that you would tell me? Okay. First thing is I believe in this so much. You have to find either a mentor or a coach or somebody. I mean, you might not be able to pay 175, but find find somebody who 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 you're able to pay for 30 minutes of their time because when you have somebody guiding you or leading you, you make you don't make as many mistakes in the beginning. Uh, So if you want to start speaking, the first thing is, is like, what are you going to talk about? So what are you passionate about? Like, just don't pick something from the sky and just think that you're going to do well talking about it. You need to find something that when you get up on that stage, when you get on that platform, it's it's something that you can talk about and that people know that you light up when you talk about that stuff. Uh, Some other advice I would give is to just start, start doing something. Greg, you know this. I try stuff all the time when it comes to just the website, Mm -hmm. to social media. Uh, done is better than perfect. When it came to the book, I could have literally spent another four years writing it, editing <laughs> it. Uh, I go all day because every time I read, it, I thought like I found something that I didn't like. But at some point, you have to say done is better than perfect. So if you want to be a speaker, the first thing is that you have to get out there and start speaking somewhere. It could be at your church. It could be at the local YMCA. There are hundreds of places that would allow you to come in and be able to share your message. And once you start sharing your message, that confidence will grow and everything else will fall in line. So when I first started speaking, I didn't have a website. Oh. When I first started speaking, uh, it was just Daryl Bellamy. Until it wasn't, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a logo. It literally started with me speaking and then everything else fell in line as time went along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and when what was okay okay that's a great that's great that's great and last thing I may throw out some advice we could talk back and forth on this is I always tell people if you could make a one pager about kind of maybe your topic because like you said first get a topic but then also utilize so say if I'm in Durham North Carolina if I want to speak who is your audience. Because that's, that's another question you always got to ask before. Because when I first started, I wasn't comfortable talking to colleges. So colleges maybe wasn't my audience. My audience was high schoolers. So, okay, once you get the high school audience, then you look, okay, how many high schools in the area? There's phone numbers all across. There's websites. They have phone numbers. They have career counselors, whatever, depending on what you're talking about. And that's nothing but an email or a phone call away to get somebody there. But there's always that in your head, like, okay, when I get somebody on the phone, what do I say if I'm emailing? Like, what do I say if do I should say, hey, I'm new to this or whatnot? So when, you, when you're using the cold calling aspects, I know we're getting a little high level right now, but I just want you to talk about it briefly. This whole cold calling notion or whatnot. What are some tips for those that say, okay, hey, all right, I got my topic. I know who my audience is. I have some, some, some soft contacts. Where do I go from here? 
So anytime you're writing any type of email to anybody and reaching out to them, the goal is to not sell yourself in the first email. You just really want them to respond to you. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of you, like y'all, like, oh, my name is Daryl. I've spoken here. And then seven paragraphs later, you send an email and you get no response. So my first email is usually, hey, I'm Daryl. I speak on this. I've, you have to have some research on the school or something or, or know why you want to talk to them. Usually five or six sentences is how I go with it. Reaching out to either get a meeting where you can actually sit down with them or get a phone call where you can actually go further. But the goal is just to make yourself sound or to be interesting enough that they know that you're just not playing or joking around, that you're actually serious about talking to their students or talking to their group. Uh, so keep the email short. And then after that, that's when you start selling yourself after that first or second phone call, after they kind of get to know you more and you kind of start building that relationship. And a lot of times it might not be you speaking the first time you go in. It might just be you going into mentoring and then you might develop into that speaking and, and start going further. So don't be discouraged if you get a no or you get no response. You know, when I reach out to different schools and different people who at conferences that I want to speak at, uh, I think studies show that people don't really respond or you don't really get a sell or you don't really get the response that you need until like the seventh follow-up. Mm -hmm. So literally I will follow up until I get a response. Mm. I will follow up until I get a response. So literally they know that <laughs> I don't care if it's the 10th response, you are going to hear from me until you at least tell me no, or, or unless you say something to me where I can have some sort of answer, but I never want people to be nervous about getting a no. Like uh, you, you actually want to hear no. I would rather hear a no. I don't want you to speak. Or no, we have a speaker, than not hearing anything at all. And a lot of times people are just busy. It's not that they don't want to hear you speak. It's not that they don't want you to come in. It's just people have things going on in their lives that you are not the biggest priority. Mm -hmm. So therefore, do never be afraid to follow up as much as possible in order to get what you need in order to get your message out there. Amen. And, and don't be afraid also to pop up on them. But pull up. <laughs> pull up if you really yeah. have passion. And I do. It goes back, <laughs> Greg, to how, how bad do you want it? Like how bad do you, like when I'm like when I'm talking to people about speaking and stuff like that, I want it bad enough that I will call you. I, I will show up. I'll send a book. I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, that's crazy. And I want to be real with y'all. I want to share while you was talking. I'm going to share the biggest mistake I made. And I want him to share the biggest mistake I made when I first started speaking. I'm going to read to y'all how long my email was. I sent this December 11, 2013. And hopefully it don't take too long. I'm going to read how long this email was. And I sent this to over 300 schools in America. My name is Greg Kill. And I would like to speak to your students. And if you're looking for a young, college-educated speaker with experience in corporate America, entrepreneurship, and personal branding with energy and passion to aspire students, then I'm your guy. And I am not charging one penny. I'll be, <laughs> bruh, I will be going on tour this fall. Girl, remember you're a genius. Visiting 25 states over the course of six months, and my goal is to talk to 10,000 students. What I speak on, I speak on a wide range of topics from leadership, public speaking, entrepreneurship, securing jobs, personal branding, college. Of course, my content will range depending on the age level, but I want to hear from you and what your problems for the students are facing. I'm willing to work in any setting, auditorium, classroom, one-on-one, in the following formats, Q&A, panel discussions, keynote presentations, or any format that will aid your students. Here's what students can expect to learn. How to stay positive when facing challenges. How to be free from negative influences. How to avoid destructive behaviors. How to why education is key to your dreams. 
my personal story. Growing up in Durham, North Carolina, I never knew anybody around my age who graduated from college was an entrepreneur working in corporate America. My mother never went to college, and my dad didn't enter my life until I was nine. If you had told me 10 years ago that I've been able to work for three Fortune 500 companies, start my own business, and at 18, make over $30 an hour making doing spreadsheets on the computer, I'll immediately laugh in your face. And I was always told about college, blah, blah, blah. So I went on another paragraph. That And then I had another thing. Here's what you can expect from me. One through six bullet point outlines. And then I had a disclaimer. So this was probably four pages of stuff that I sent at all times of the day and whatnot. And I just say, don't do that. Like Daryl said, be short to the brief to the point. <laughs> don't do that. And I just had to, because I always want people to kind of see, take it behind our lens. Because people ask us all the time how you, how you get started and whatnot. And I don't want them to just think that we just arrived on stages getting paid. And Greg, you, you said something really important in the email. You, you might have caught. But you said, I talk about this, 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 this. Like, how do I know what to hire you for? You know, like, you have to focus on something. Like, what are you, again, we're going back to passion. Like, you, you have to pick maybe two things or something that that you are, the, that, that when people think about that topic, they think about you. Because there's a lot of speakers out here doing a lot of different topics and things like that. But Greg named like seven things that he can talk about, and they're like he's a master of nothing. Probably <laughs> he pick a topic like, "Yo, Greg, can you talk about light bulbs?" Yeah, I'll come and talk about light bulbs to you too. <laughs> so, so you're talking about everything, but yeah, I just, just want to throw that out there, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But uh, all right, I got a couple more questions on the speaking thing. Now I'm gonna talk about the book. So also, how did you? Can you tell us a little bit of securing your first corporate gig and how did you get on their radar? So I know you're you're new to to this region, but I definitely I, I always want to kind of ask about that experience for our audience to say, okay, guys, I've been in this middle school, high school. I watch ET online. I watch all these big time guys online getting the corporate fields, but I haven't really seen too many young cats even get into that lane. So how did that opportunity even come about? So my my first major corporate gig was actually through a relationship. That I had with a friend uh, that we we like I said we've known each other uh, for years uh, throughout high school, and we've connected every once in a while. We kind of throw ideas back and forth. She has a business that she's in also, uh, but she at her at her firm that she worked for, she knew they were having a leadership conference, and I guess she just told her boss, you know, that there's this guy named Daryl who speaks blah blah. I've heard him speak before. He's pretty good, so. Her company reached out to me to actually, they were talking to me and they wound up actually hiring me. So when I talk about like relationships, like a lot of my speaking comes from either people that I've spoke for before or people that, you know, I've spoken for and they've been referred or people who just, you know, just see me other places. But I think relationships are really important. So my first corporate gig didn't just come from somebody just coming to my website. It came from a relationship. And now from that corporate gig, there's a lot more coming. Because I got that experience there. Mm. And the biggest thing I would like to say about that relationship piece is if you're a speaker, if you're any business owner, I encourage you to just one day open up your phone and go down your contact list, like straight go down your contacts, look at the names and see, OK, whatever product or business you're selling. And in this in this conversation, we're talking about speaking. Is this person a teacher? This person is is he a is they a teacher? Do they work for a college? Because you'd be surprised in your own network on your phone on Facebook how many people you know 
that are teachers at public schools, that are um, that work for universities in career development and whatnot. Utilize your LinkedIn connections and whatnot. That's how you really get into the door because nine times out of ten, everybody just doesn't go viral. Like, I mean, nobody just looks online and like, yo, this, 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 uh, this thing about, um, not being average, it just changed my life, rocked my world. Like it doesn't happen when you first start off like that. Majority of your, your big gigs come from people you already know. But my biggest mistake was I didn't call the person I knew that worked in Houston public schools and be like, Hey man, we went to college together. This is what I'm doing. Can you get me into the school? Like that's, that's a simple call. And that's how, that's how, and then he tells the principal about how good you are and what you're doing. Cause if you call your principal and tell him, and like that, that, that doesn't create no separation. So that's one thing you could do. Here's a question, Greg, that I want everybody to ask himself. Are you recommendable? Mm. So yes, you have friends, you have people in different areas, but are you recommendable? Like my website was up. It was, it was impeccable. I mean, I had YouTube videos up. I was already charging the amount that, you know, that I was charging them. Like I was already set up. I was already ready for that opportunity. Sometimes opportunity comes and we're not ready for that opportunity. So therefore when it comes, we're just looking there like with our hands open, like, Oh yeah. Like what am I going to do at this point? But you have to be ready for the opportunity and you have to be recommendable. So is your business set up? Do you have a website? Do you look like a professional company? Because if if it doesn't, then I have I have certain friends in different businesses that I'm I'm not recommending because <laughs> they're not recommendable. So no matter how close I am to them, they represent me. So that's a good question to ask yourself. That is. And uh, I guess to take a step further, when you say, okay, when well, you're recommendable, all right, so say somebody called like, okay, you talk about there or somebody want to recommend you going through your Instagram. Does it look like, do you, do you see any pictures of you speaking to anybody or is it, is it images or is it just quotes of you vacationing or do you have any profiles at all? Cause if you don't have like, um, and, and, and then to, to take it a step further, like what, what kind of comments are you getting? Or, cause I mean, now Google searches, it's, it's, it's so easy. So Make it easy on the person that wants to refer you. Okay, here's which because like nowadays, like for instance, today I just it made a connection on my tour. Not only did I sent my friend of mine, I sent her my press kit. I sent her um, a couple videos that, that they can reference to see me live, as well as I sent her um, a dry email that um, that I made up. That she could send, so she doesn't have to do the selling herself. She can edit my email, but I made it as easy as possible for her to recommend me. Because I mean, she's doing me a favor. I just can't tell her, okay, you sell me or whatnot. I said, no. Here's the points you need to articulate. Here's my press kit. All you gotta do is make some adjustments and press send. Like, make it easy to refer. So now, when people look at your profile, like it adds up, it matches up. And I know what you're thinking. I'm at the beginning of this, Greg. I don't have a video. I don't have a camera. I don't have this. But as Daryl said, he started off first. By just putting stuff on Facebook, just putting stuff on YouTube, and then start where you're at. Like we don't say all this to deter you if you're you're coming up and you don't have a website and whatnot. But these are something to do as you get your free gigs and start moving up the ranks. They say you have to get a website, you have to invest in a video camera, and then you really gotta look at your social media, not on your follower account, because that really doesn't mean anything. Me and Daryl can attest that there's people out there making far more money than us as speakers with a couple hundred followers. But, <laughs> but what are you putting up, man? So, all right, let's uh, let's make a little a short little pivot. All right, writing your first book. We haven't talked about this a lot on this podcast, but I have a lot of people that contact me. Just today, somebody hit me up on LinkedIn. They're working on a book. So, all right, how long did it take you to write your book? 
And what was the inspiration behind it? Exactly. Outside of people, uh, other speakers usually have as a product, because I know that's you had a bigger inspiration. So what gave you the courage to say, I deserve the right one and getting it done? How long did it take you? So it took me around four to five months to, I would say, to actually sit down and actually write it when I was writing it. But the process before that was like a year before that. So I would say about a year and a half from start to finish to actually getting it done. So when I first started writing a book, you know that when I got out of college, I wanted to help freshman students. So I always had a passion for trying to prevent freshman students from making those critical mistakes that they make. So I said, you know, I want to write a book in order to help freshman students, giving them those tips and tricks that make sure that they're successful throughout their, their school years. So I said, let me sit down and write a book with tips and stuff. So I started writing a book, and I think after two weeks, I didn't go back to it for like a month. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. So the passion wasn't there on that topic itself. So I I think I I kept on reading different books. And it was Sunday when I finished reading a book. And the idea of Chase and the whole like waking up, uh, meeting your future self came in. And once that idea came into my mind, I, I just couldn't stop writing since then. So I literally got on my computer and it was it was so much easier to write once that idea came and that was passion. So Waking Up Chase is about a student who wakes up four years into his future and realizes that he's going to meet his future self and his future self walking him through what it took to be successful. So as you can see, I'm still focusing on the freshman, the student professional theme, but I just had to make a small pivot in order to get to the second book. But it took between around about a year and a half to go from start to finish from idea to pivot to actually getting waking up chase out. Okay. Okay. So what, what, what triggered you to do to self publish instead of getting a publisher? So self publishing is certainly important to remember about self publishing It's faster. Uh, you have total control over your content and it's probably a little bit cheaper also where when it comes to, you know, going a traditional route, if you go with a traditional route, usually it involves getting an agent to like shop your book out after you, 20 no's or one yes or whatever or whatever it takes once you get picked up by a publisher that might be a two-year process and a lot of times if you're not a huge name yet publishers don't necessarily want you because the publisher is just publishing the book they expect you to actually push the book out so for my first book i wanted total creative control and i wanted to get it out as quickly as possible because i just felt like i had this in me and i had to get it out so when it comes to self-publishing uh, usually that's the best route sometimes when it comes to your first book because you're able to control what's going on and you're able to just take your time when it comes to writing it and not being forced with certain deadlines or pushing it out or uh, having someone change everything within mm-hmm. the book. And uh, who did you, what software, what website do you use to publish it and how much did it cost? All right, so I use CreateSpace to actually publish it. So that's the Amazon system. CreateSpace itself is like a free platform, but as far as, uh, the actual like book cover, I went through 99designs.com. So around like three to 400 people from all around the world got a chance to kind of like create the cover and it was a contest. Uh, so that's how I got my cover done. When it comes to editing, someone in Australia edited it. Uh, when it came to uh, formatting, someone in Sri Lanka <laughs> did that. I use a site called Upwork where you're able to kind of like put out bids for stuff and people from all around the world, again, are able to bid on on the work so all in when i added all up to publish it from start to finish including a little bit of amazon advertising that i did probably around sixteen hundred dollars 
But that's because I really wanted a good looking book. Like I wanted a professional looking cover. And I got some big advice from just some mentors is that the only thing worse than no book is a bad book. So pushing out just a terrible looking book, terrible cover, not formatted, like it's not okay. Like you want to push out something that you're that you're proud to hand over to someone and sell to someone. Man, that's you hit it on the head, and I can attest to that because as as many of you know, listen to this podcast. I've had I've written two books. The first book it was it was my heart. I put a lot into it, but the major mistakes I did. All right, because the the building blocks of the book, the cover, the cover art was great. Shout out to Casey. The Casey Renee, CaseyRenee.com, one of the best designers out there. She did the cover work. Boom. The format inside, the one he, he talked up that he used, Upwork.com. Once again, all the notes will be on the show notes. I didn't do a formatter. I didn't realize the importance of doing that. I didn't have any advice or whatnot, so I didn't have a person that does format. And can you please explain briefly, Daryl, um, what a formatter really is? Because people are saying, okay, format, what do you mean, Greg? Like, Can you explain the, the, ne- the necessity of it and what it really is real quick? Okay. Most people have seen like the inside of a of a professionally designed book. I mean, the font's right, uh, the spacing is right, and then most of you all have seen a Microsoft Word document that you've written. <laughs> so if you compare a Microsoft Word, something that you type in on Microsoft Word, and then you open up an actual book, a professionally published book that someone has spent money formatting, you can clearly see the difference. So it's just easier to read. It's just a better layout, and it's 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 worth the money, hands down. Yep, yep, yep. And we used Upwork.com. Matter of fact, Daryl let me use his designer um, to help out with mine. So that was a game changer. And I spent about two fifty on that. The cover, I spent around a hundred dollars on the cover. And then the biggest other cost is the editing. So I got only only I use two editors, a home one of my homegirls, and I use a friend of mine in editing around two fifty. So after that, the cost of the book is really not that expensive. It's like, it depends on what you order. You use Creative Space, it might be anywhere from two fifty to three fifty dollars $3.50 a book. So the process isn't that hard, but the core things, like to wrap up what Daryl said, is having a, a good cover, having a good editor, having a formatter, and using Creative Space. And that allows your, your platform to also be on Amazon. So with that... And with, and with Create Space, Greg, like to the... To, to the listeners, you can create a book for next to nothing. Like money doesn't need to be the thing holding you back because I'm pretty sure that everyone knows somebody who's a graphic designer who can probably create something beautiful. They know someone who can, you know, use, I think it's InDesign. Um, you might have a friend who can use InDesign. So, so I know I, I spent a fairly amount of money and you seem like you spent a good amount too, but don't let money hold you back from, from getting that book started. Mm. So okay, now you have the book out. You, you finished the book. You sent it out to the publisher. How did you market? How do you go about initially marketing your book? Go back to family and friends and and people who are following uh, through social media. So I kind of wanted everybody to be a part of the process because, like I said, I just want everybody involved because this is a this was a labor of love for me. So throughout the process, from from picking the the book cover to just reading the book. I usually put it out on social media. Like, so I had about, I think about a hundred people actually pick what book cover they liked the most. So that created anticipation. People actually wanted to read and see the book. So, uh, as far as advertising, reach out to friends. Uh, I'm trying out Amazon ads to see how that works. Uh, it did help sell a lot of books last month, but I'm still trying to, trying to tweak that to figure out if it's actually 
worth what I'm paying for it. Um, and then a lot of my books are sold from speaking engagements. So when I speak at different schools or speak for different uh, companies, they'll buy 100, 200 books for whoever I'm speaking to. Um, so that's really how I get a lot of my a lot of my sales done. Thank you for sharing all that as far as the book and his speaking, because I think this is so pivotal because starting out, I didn't know any of this information about writing a book. I didn't know any information about getting speaking gigs and whatnot. So I think we, we talked about a lot of things that anybody just just wanting to get in the game as far as being an author or speaker, a lot of questions they would have. So we wrapped up. Now, if you're a first-time author, you know where to go to write a book. You know around about how much it's going to cost and all those steps. Boom. If you're trying to get into the speaking, you know first you got people need to know you're a speaker and you know some of the first couple steps to speak. Now, Daryl, this last round before our culture change round, we want to talk about the future. What's next for you in 2016 and where do you see your company next year? Because I usually talk about five years or whatnot, but I just want to see next year, where do you see your company? So next in 2016, as you know, I quit my job early this year. So part of quitting my job was just to get systems in place. Before quitting my job, I was just doing things happenstance. Like, you know, somebody would say, hey, we need a contract. And I would try to find a way to get the contract created like I wanted it. And someone would say, hey, we need you to talk about this. And then I would try to do that. So now I'm getting systems in place. Like, hey, when somebody calls, this is the process they go through. Hey, when you finish speaking, this is, the, this is what you send. This is what you do. Uh, hey, when you call people, this is the greeting that you use. This is what you say. This is what you don't say. So right now, the rest of the year is getting my foundation right because I know that if my foundation is right, everything is going to be a lot easier from here. So systems is the first thing. Um, the second thing is just focusing on on the clients that I have right now because if you treat the people uh, you currently have now right, then they're definitely going to refer you. I think a lot of time in business and speaking and whatever we do in whatever area that we're in, we're always trying to get more and we're never really giving the people that we currently have who's currently supporting us the type of support that they need. So all about supporting current clients and then making sure that my brand is clarified and make sure I know exactly what my brand is portraying to people because in our in my mind I know that I talk about this and I'm passionate about this but I sometimes ask people the question oh so when you look at my Instagram what do I talk about when you look at this what does my brand say to you when you look at my site what do I talk about or what am I passionate about because I want to make sure that my brand is as clear as possible because when my brand is not clear it's actually stopping people from working with me so that's what I'm doing in 2016 far as 2017 Trying to go international, y'all. So I'm talking to about two schools in Canada right now. Uh, I'm just planning a trip in March to India. So when I'm out in India, the goal is to probably speak out there. Uh, so I'm definitely focused on international. And then just just the foundation is built this year. So next year, just constantly keep on speaking, possibly write another book next year and go from there. Got you, man. And when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I would want to be remembered as the the <laughs> the smiling, high energy. I'm gonna say kid. I'm not a kid, but <laughs> the high energy kid who uh who who did anything in order to get people to the next step, whatever that might be. Mm. So that next step is just you taking whatever that next thing is to get you to the next level. Like you said, Greg, in your last question you were like what are you doing next year you didn't say what are you doing five ten years from now because sometimes we get caught up like oh i want to be the best speaker or i want to be a new york times bestseller when no we need to focus on what are you doing the next month 
What mm-hmm. are you doing next year? Take the next step. So I would say I want to be known as the as the as the smiling, high energy kid getting you to the next step. Mm, I like that. I like that. I like that. Without further ado, we're going to go into our culture change round. Um, and this is our, I'll be asking five rapid fire questions and I need five rapid fire answers. You ready, dog? Let's do it. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Uh, mom always said, uh, same people you meet going up are the same people you meet when you're coming right back down. So be oh. careful how you treat people. Yeesh. What is one of your personal habits that you can attribute to your success? Uh, hands down, getting up early. It has been a game changer. Like my life changed once I started getting up early and using uh my first hour or two of my day for me and not taking phone calls and texting people because when you get up early, usually a lot of people ain't getting up early. So you get that time to yourself to kind of focus on what's happening that day. What is your favorite book and why? Oh, going back to the last question, The Miracle Morning, which is the book that got me getting up early. So that's my favorite book right now. I've given out at least nine to 10 copies to different friends and mastermind groups and people who, I've, who have helped me in any way. So The Miracle Morning, which walks you through the process on how to get up early um, and how to, how, how to make sure that time is the most efficient. And if you're listening now and you're saying you're a night person, I don't believe it. I don't subscribe to it. You can get up early and you can make it happen. Check out The Miracle Morning by mm. Howard Rod. Yep, 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 yep. What inspires you the most and keeps you motivated? I would say the opportunity to become better every single day. I know that I will never, ever be at my best. So therefore, I can always keep on improving. So that motivates me every day. Um, Just in surrounding myself around people who are doing great things. Um, I'm always on calls with people who are just, whether it's in my space or not my space, people who are constantly achieving and I have mentors and not all my mentors are paid or not all my mentors are people that I actually see. A lot of my mentors are in books or through YouTube channels. So those would be the top three things. Mm. And if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? The first thing I would do is I would go into the Oval Office. Probably I'm going to close the blind. I'm going to tell whoever that I'm in a meeting or I need to not be disturbed. And I'll probably just lay on the floor, man, in the Oval Office. Like, on the first day, like, I made it be like, dang, I did it. <laughs> I did, like, and, just, and just really be, be really thankful for, for, for getting there and having that opportunity. And that's something that I do all the time. I mean, the first, you know, my first night in, in my home, you know, I literally just laid on the floor and just was like, dang, I did it. Uh, when I won DECA state vice president in, in high school, um, and I lost the year before that, but I won the second year. And I was in the suite with all the other officers, and I think I had to go to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom, and I washed my hands up in here. Was like, "Dang, Daryl, you did it!" So I'm really, I'm really big on gratitude and just being thankful uh, all the time because I believe that when you're thankful for what you have now, God is always there. Um, he He appreciates that, and He's going to provide you with more. Mm. And the last question. All right, this is the pivotal question, the question that everybody answers, and it's the, it's the big one. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? Okay. I would say overall support of each other, man. Um, and it's something that I try to make a, a point to do when it comes to reaching out to people who, who look like me, who are, who are achieving in different ways, and people who might not even be achieving or, 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 or finding their, their niche yet, but just overall support. I think uh, there's a lot of cultures or other cultures who do that so well, 
we haven't really grasped that now. And that might be one thing that might be holding us back as a culture. So I would say if I had one wish and one thing that I'm actively working on is how do we support each other more to get each other to the next level? Mm. I'm leaving it there right there, man. That's 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 a question that especially during the times where we do have so much stuff going on politically, so much stuff going on. On the on the race front, so much stuff going on on the financial front. It's like on all areas, we definitely need to collaborate and support each other as much as we can in the right way. So I definitely thank you for your efforts through speaking, through writing, through living, and through just sharing your message on, on what you're doing to support the cause, man. So, man, that wraps up the show, man. So how can everybody find more about you, more about your book, more about your movement? How can they support and get in contact with you? So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Bellamy Inspires. So feel free to hit me up there. Uh, website, BellamyInspires.com. I would love to hear from you. So feel free to send me a message, email. If you have any questions, please reach out. Um, I would love to chat with you and be able to give you any other advice uh, from here on out. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. So from Minority Trailblazer Nation, from myself, and from anybody out here who's listening who got at least one nugget, we'd like to say thank you, man. Thank you, Greg, and thank you to the Minority Trailblazer audience. All right, all right. So like we always do it, like we always do it, like we always do it. I need you to do one thing, especially in the light of what the f*** is going on out here in this world. Do one thing. What is that one thing, Mr. Hill? That one thing is to change the freaking culture. Good night.